This episode is proudly sponsored by Chronologic. By the time you contact a buyer with calls and emails, someone using Chronologic has already held the meeting. Learn more about how to harness the power of AI scheduling at scale. Visit chronologic.com at the link in the show notes. People don't buy words. They buy pictures of pain. They buy the emotion tied to that picture. You took what the CRO said. You still had the words, but you allowed the picture to be drawn either yourself and or in your prospects or customer's mind so that now they can visualize it because people buy the picture. I'm Scott Logan, and we're Making Fun of Marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Making Fun of Marketing podcast, where we try and make light of some of the foolish things we do, share best practices on better ways to do those things, uh, not just leave you on the hook with a uh, bitching session, basically. And we have an expert here to help us through that on marketing, working better with sales and sales working better with marketing, the age old thing that we should have probably figured out by now. And if you did figure it out, maybe there's better ways to do it and improve that. So Richard Harris is the founder of Harris Consulting and a sales and I'd probably say marketing-ish guru too, or maybe marketing guru as well. When you're as experienced as he is, that you basically have a wide breadth of knowledge to share from both aspects, which is actually why I wanted him on the show today. So thank you, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. I'm probably a little bit more on the ish side, you know, I'm, as the we ish. say in our, in, in, you know, as we say in our family, you know, we put the ish in Jewish. We are Jewish. So I'm marketing-ish. You'll probably hear me rant about a couple of things, but uh, it's all in good fun and good humor. And, and I know that sales is not perfect either, but we'll have a good time. Where do you want to start, my man? Thank you for having me, Scott. Good. It was good to run into you the other day, and it's good to do this. Yeah, it was good to run into you. It seems like every show I go to, you're there for a day or two. So let's start off with the most frustrating or today's version of the frustrating challenges with how sales is collaborating with marketing or how marketing is collaborating with sales, what are the things that just make your eyes roll as far as we're still doing this? Yeah, it's interesting. There's, there's a couple of them. The first one is that the challenge between sales and marketing is a compensation issue. Marketing is not compensated on the same thing sales is. Why isn't marketing compensated on a revenue number? Why do they not get to own a target? Now, I think that's gotten better in the last few years. But when I say that to people, marketing people freak the fuck out. But then there's greater alignment. And that alignment would then force each party to listen better. Whether you want to or not is part of it. So that's the first challenge I have is that people still haven't realized it's a compensation issue, right? If marketing is getting compensated on leads and sales is getting compensated on revenue, well, of course, you know, sales is going to say the leads suck. And of course, marketing is going to say sales sucks, right? Because you're not aligned. Yeah. So I think that's a huge, huge problem that I think people are finally realizing the heart. Now it's hard. How do you fairly align marketing to a revenue target? Well, if you've got a math formula that aligns to the sales target, then there's no reason you can't have a math line to the marketing target. That scares people, right? But this is exactly what happens in sales because we are so held to a number. Heads of sales leave or get told to leave after 16 months. When was the last time a head of marketing got fired in 16 months? You know, short of the recession. I just don't see it. I think the last time I looked, 
average tenure of a marketing person was almost 24 months. Yeah. But this is a marketing podcast. So correct me. Maybe I am wrong. So that's the first frustration, but I'll, I'll pause there and see if you have a question or something, and then I can give you some other ones. Yeah. So I completely align with that. When I come into a sale or a marketing organization to help rebuild it or build it from scratch, I often find that there's not a revenue number there, but I started as a sales rep right. and then moved into demand gen. And so the first thing I do actually to that point, it's not contradicting what you say, it's double down on that. And I put a number on that mm -hmm. and I put a number on me for the whole team, but I'm saying, Hey, this is your chunk of the revenue. If you're an events person, yep. this is your chunk of the revenue. If you're the digital marketer and you have to provide based on the historicals of that team success and, and what works in that industry or with that company. And that's your ownership right there. I've had instances where I hire an events person who's great at holding events, but they've only done like presence clubs and users conferences and things like that. And then I put a number on them and I say, you need to work with a sales team and they're floored. They're like, what the hell am I doing this for? Why right. do I have to work with them again? This event ran seamlessly. I'm like, but you didn't care about the after work. And oh, by the way, about a third to 25% of the work you're going to do for an event is after the event itself. Yep. And really scares them. Yeah, I agree. By the way, what is that third of the work they have to do after the event? I've never quite heard it that way. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So I break it up into a third is the prep work, the pre-logistics and the working with the sales team to get meetings scheduled ahead of time. The third of the logistics at the show, making sure it runs smoothly. If something doesn't get delivered, you get your ass to Kinko's and you go print whatever you got to print to make sure that when the show floor opens, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. And anything that gets scanned in the booth, in my opinion, is just the sugar on top. It's the frosting. It's the pre-meetings of which reps are going because they have the meeting set. That is really where a lot of the value happens. And if you get booth traffic to convert, that's amazing. And then the after work is, did you work with the SDR team in the planning of it ahead of time so they know where we're going, why we're going? When they get the call script and the lead list afterwards, which I don't even do that motion anymore, we can talk about that later. Are they getting notified of that when they need to start? Like, oh, we went to a trade right. show last week and now you need to know this and you should hear this. And we had conversations about this. Well, they're working on 10 other campaigns that you threw at them for the last quarter. Right. And they may just jump up to the high level talk track. And so you have to babysit that team to make sure that they're getting the information they need. They're educated enough on the talk track to be able to yep. actually convert the leads afterwards. Yep. I and agree. That last okay. Part. That that's helpful. That that's about just really aligning a process. So the second one is this constant finger pointing and it goes both ways, right? You know, sales loves to look at marketing and say, well, you've never carried a bag. So come carry the bag. And then you tell us, and that's true. Yeah. Okay. So it's different on the flip side. In most cases, sales has never done marketing. So they don't understand necessarily the pressures of what it means to be a marketer. And that's where the messaging gets conflicting, right? I work with companies all the time and they will so often let the SDRs and BDRs work on messaging, which is great. Like, I love that. It's a great skill to learn. It's something you should learn as you're getting into the business career, even if you don't stay in sales. But why would you do that 
when you're, you know, if the traditional marketer or the traditional BDR SDRs is, you know, first or second job, right. Or first or second job out of college. You don't have to have a college degree to be in sales is a good thing. And so there's not enough education around that. There's not enough education from marketing to sales around this is how marketing sees things and how we view the funnel and why messaging is written this way. And there's no re-education back to the marketing team from the sales team to say, that's great. And here's how we have to say it. So this is my biggest gripe. And this is my gripe to marketing is I don't give a shit what you do. Nobody cares what you do, right? Only thing they care about are what pains you solve, right? So nobody cares that I'm a sales trainer, right? If I had a boot. Right. It would, you know, I'm sure I'd have my logo, the Harris Consulting Group, but it wouldn't be all pretty. It would literally just stand behind me and it would say, teaching reps how to earn the right to ask questions, which questions to ask and when. There's not a revenue business leader in the world who has had a sales team who doesn't know exactly what that means. So talking about the pains we solve in relation to our prospects and clients is the difference between oftentimes what I see between sales messaging and marketing messaging. And it's unintentional that it happens that way. That's just the way the systems have been built. And we got to break that wall down as much as we do. Yeah. The walking in their shoes is definitely something that doesn't click unless you're there. One thing that I did in my last gig was just that. There was a day where I said, all right, the marketing team is going to make, is going to do your job basically for a day. And we recorded it and made it into like a, the office type of scenario where we like pulled each other out and did commentary on what the SDRs are seeing that we do and what we are experiencing as we're making their calls and emails for them for an entire day on whatever campaigns were running at that time. Mm -hmm. And it scared the marketing team shitless, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After the first calls, you can get into a groove. Um, I mean, I kind of enjoyed it because I used to be an SDR and a sales rep right. uh, and did the full cycle. And so it was, you know, you get into it. But for folks who'd never done that before, they really start to reevaluate what they're saying and when they're saying it and why when they make their own talk tracks because it it changes once you get into that hot seat and it changes yeah. fairly drastically yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of that in my mind i would make every new employee from hr to it to security sit down and make 25 phone call, cold call i would just be like here there you go there's your script just read it go for it only so they can understand not that they need to be any good at it or they ever need to be good at it. That's not what I'm hiring them for. But I am hiring them to understand that there's a way to do this and we got to be respectful, particularly to the SDRs and BDRs who are out there getting punched in the face on a daily basis. So, so I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, the, of this piece. Cool. What else you want to go with? Yeah, I would just add to that on the marketing side. It's kind of crazy to me that you're not going down that path because your success as a marketer, I've always felt, is literally beholden to the sales reps following up and sending the right messaging. Like I can have a great campaign with oh, great I don't leads. Believe, I, I don't believe that marketing people believe that. I think, I think the opposite. I think that they think that they would be more successful if the sales team didn't get in the way or knew how to do their. I believe you. I believe that you believe that. And I believe that you live that. And I know that you're right. I don't see marketing people doing it that way. though. No, I don't think that they think that way either, but. I think that that is true. 
Uh, I even heard on a recent, you know, one of those video blips, Chris Walker actually call MQL as a vanity metric. Yes. I was like, oh, I've heard vanity metrics and you think click rates, open rates, but the MQL is a vanity metric. I started to think about that because he kind of said it in the breadth of something else. I thought that that's something there that we need to be really taking another look at. Like that could be its own study or whatever on its own of that is actually a vanity metric because you want 2000 leads. I'll syndicate some content. I'll get you, I'll get you 2000 MQLs with the right ICP. Are they going to talk to you? Hell no. But what if I can run a campaign with 50 leads and 30 of them talk to you and they're engaged? Right. Well, I think, you know, just, just about everything's a vanity metric. Even when you close the deal, the revenue is vanity. So yeah, with SaaS, you have to, you know, yeah, exactly. Like typical SaaS, but I, I agree with you. I've got this post in my head about some buzzwords I'm tired of, which are things like vanity metrics and babysitting and double clicking on that and blah, blah, blah. Like there's just, I just got this post. I just haven't had time to write it. That's just going to rip all these things apart. I've actually had a scenario where a PR manager uh, wrote a buzzword bingo card during an analyst briefing call on how many times the analyst would say certain things. Oh, yeah. Back to us. Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got a couple of them. There's one that, it, uh, you know, I'm allowed to get out of this meeting if I hear these phrases. So what else can we make fun of marketing about? Tell me. Yeah. Well, on that, on that same note of what we're talking about going into the sales rep shoes and, you know, the sales team really is what makes the marketing team or the marketing campaign successful in terms of pipeline. What is it like in the head of the sales rep? Like, what are they going through that marketing can better understand? to create a better conversation with them and create better alignment with them to, that they might not be aware of? So one is, going back to what I said earlier, was making sure the messaging talks about the pains you solve, not what you do, right? And so, for example, you know, telling us that you're more efficient and effective is not a pain you solve, right? The pain I solve is everything from earning the right to ask questions to making your Sunday night forecasting prep meeting, you know, only take 20 minutes instead of two hours while you're at home at night. The thing I want people to do is help paint pictures of pain that prospects and customers feel, not what you do, not the clicks through the demo. So I think that's the first thing that I would really want marketing to understand. Talk about the pains you solve, not what you do. Then the other piece of that is understand that sales is a really high pressure game that if we do not succeed month by month, we will be fired, right? Now, a lot of marketing people will, well, that's what you signed up for. And it's like, well, yes. And so did you, if you have a revenue number, right? Just because why don't you take a revenue number and tell me how much less stressed you are. So I want some level of empathy there. On the sales side, I want us to be more empathetic to marketing in the sense of they don't understand because they've not always done it, right? I want to be able to say, can we test this? Can we try this? Have we tried it before? What are we afraid would happen if we tested this messaging? So that's one of the things I'd want sales to do. I would also want sales to do, particularly if you have a good marketing, is to know that Marketing is technologically ahead of us. Marketing has been A-B testing shit for years, right? Long before the sales enablement platform. So they're pretty good at it. 
Now the question is, can we figure out which messaging to A-B test better? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of similarities there where we can better partner with each other once we understand just a couple of these basic things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that aligns really well to piece that apart a little bit. One of the first questions when a sales rep comes on board for the first time and I schedule an intro call with them is I ask them, what's your experience working with marketing up to this point? And the answers are almost always at the opposite ends of the spectrum and very oh, I few. Hear are these. Yeah. What are they? So I typically get, I've never been a part of a mark of a company where marketing even knew we existed. They just do branding. I came from Dell or wherever, <laughs> and it's all about the messaging. I did a marketing campaign with Apple once. I thought I was so cool. And they sent me a graphics package and I was like, wait a minute, well, what about the campaign to drive pipeline? And they literally thought that I made up a word when I said pipeline. They're like, no, we gave you the package with the new colors and the new devices. Right. Silence. And they were like expecting to drop off. Oh, right. Right. Oh my gosh. Some people have lived that world and they only know that world. And so they're like, why am I even talking to the demand gen team? And by the way, what's demand gen? Right. And uh, you get the other side where they're just in the weeds with them. And usually it's those folks as a marketing person that I latch on to. Because mm -hmm. I can run... If I'm short on my number, because I do hold a revenue number over my team and myself as well, and hold myself accountable to force myself to work with the sales team in, in better ways, is I'll say, hey, let's do something then. What yep. have you done that works really well? And how can we adapt that to what we do here? Because they're already used to running something that's proven, they're comfortable with it, and you can really A-B test and iterate faster to get faster results. If I'm about to be short on my number, I'm going to yep. go grab one of those sales reps with a month to go and run something with them because it's going to help both of us. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that you asked that question too. And the answers you're getting are fascinating, right? Like it never dawned on me. And it's true. Like that you could flip it the other way. Marketing is like, well, I've never had a sales team that wants to work with me or I've never really been engaged. So it's a, it's a two-way street there, but that was really it. Yeah. There was a post that you made recently on LinkedIn. Of like what's the one piece of sales advice that you would give to a new sales manager. They were about 35, right? My, uh, my buddy Bob put that yeah. together, yeah. It was like, oh my goodness. But one thing that I didn't see was align yourself to marketing. I'm wondering if that was just, didn't come to your head or if we can touch on that for a minute and say, if you're in a situation where you're complaining that marketing isn't good enough, the leads are bad, the campaigns are horrible, whatever, We'll do something about it. Yeah. And what would you do to tell a marketing or a sales leader how to work with marketing better? Well, you asked a couple of questions in there. So I just thought it was an amazing list of things. And it was, it was not a good particular list. order. Yeah. It was not a particular order. It was, I know when he did it, that it was very much like off top. And I'd be willing to bet that either A, somewhere in one of those 34 things is a sub bullet, which means go talk to marketing or... If it's not, Bob would be like, yep, add that to make it number 35. Like I know Bob well enough to know that. So I don't think it was intentional by any stretch, by any stretch. You know, you kind of have to do these listening tours, right? When you work with people, you kind of just have to go in. If you're going to be a leader in sales, and particularly now that we have this whole revenue ops team and chief revenue officer, which 
my gut is, I've never done the research, but my gut is most of those people are coming from the sales business side, not marketing. That doesn't mean marketing can't, but I just, I think it, it feels like a natural fit because of that word revenue, because marketing's never been tied to revenue. You better learn this stuff. Like if you're in sales, you better go learn it and vice versa. Marketing should go learn more about sales if you're going to start reporting to a CRO. And if you want your career, because you're never going to get to be a CRO if you don't understand marketing and you're never going to get to be a CRO if you don't understand sales better. So I think it's really important that you do that. And the ways that I do it, right? Like even if I'm a frontline sales manager, I try to reach out to someone in marketing and say, hey, can you come to my team meeting? What could you teach us about marketing that we don't know that's relevant? What can you help us know? And it doesn't have to be like, hey, let's go work together and solve a problem. It's, hey, let's just get to know each other. Let's have you sit in and, and let my team ask you questions. because We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So come help us know more. And vice versa. I would do the same thing on marketing. If I'm running a sales team, guess what? I do the same thing with my product marketing team. How do you choose which features? You get all these requests. What's it look like? How long does it take to really get it done? How do you choose? What happens when the CEO asks you to do something that's so far down the product line that you know you shouldn't do it because they're, there's, you know, they're fresh to fry. So having people come in from the IT side or customer success side. So it's not just about marketing. It's about aligning across the board. And the single best thing you can do is just ask someone to come spend 10 minutes with the team. It's easy. It's free, right? If my sales team sells to technical people and I have a technical group in my company, guess who I'm going to have come talk to my sales team, right? Like that's, that to me is like the first place and it's such an easy lift. Yep. Yeah. I love that. I think that what would happen is a salesperson went to the marketing team and even more specifically the demand gen team as a sales leader and said, I want to work with you better. Let me help develop campaigns for the team or just ask for help with collaboration or improved collaboration, the marketing team would first look at you like a damn ghost. Like this person doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a sales leader who does that. Cause I have never had that happen in my career. Though if I've asked, there have been plenty of times where they're like, sweet, let's do this. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's one. And then two, I think that what you said afterwards, where also do that with the CS team and with the IT team and the product team and take 10 minutes to, to do an exchange in each other's team meetings or whatever. But I actually would say level that up again and then let them sit in on the meeting because then they get to understand what the sales team goes through and what you're doing. I mean, I've unfortunately been in a situation before where I was literally told by the chief sales officer after my spiel to leave so they can talk about sales business. The same, it's like, and some of it has to do with this trust of money and strategic business objectives and hiring and firing. And it's like, well, okay, I'm going to find out one way or the other. Might as well tell me. But, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, but if it's, it's interesting, like you know, a monthly or weekly sales call or the yeah. monthly or weekly marketing call, if you're going to invite the salesperson to your marketing team, that's the meeting, that's great. Or the other way around, make it a more regular motion, I feel like, to fully understand 
what are the challenges? Yeah. I just thought about this too, around this feedback piece. Like I was sitting here going on the suggestion I made about ask someone from each department, right? Mm -hmm. Part of me wants to be able to go to marketing and say, Hey, Scott, can you come to my sales team meeting on Monday and just present about marketing at my sales team? You've never met them. Scott's going to say, yeah, sure. What do you want me to talk about? I'm going to be like, that's why I want you to come. Scott. You got to figure it out. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to talk about. If you can't tell me what you should talk about, my sales team should know about what you do. Well, that's a problem, right? And vice versa. Yeah. Now, salespeople love to get in front of people and talk anyway, so it's not hard for us to do it, but it's, it's an interesting play on that philosophy. So, and, and goes back to what you're saying of like, if we don't sit there and bitch about something or complain about something appropriately, professionally, sure. with the intent of getting to an answer, not just bitch, then, you know, that's the same kind of thing. So I, I'm in alignment with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we talked about this a bit beforehand, but I'll even bring them into like the quarterly planning. Like, hey, we're talking about new campaigns. Let's get a sales leader, a sales rep, yeah. an SDR leader, an SDR rep, and have them in on the planning session. Yeah. Because what's going to happen there too is not only will you get better ideas up front on the execution component of it, mm -hmm. and they get a little taste of the creativity part, which they always think is cool because every salesperson thinks they can do marketing and vice versa because it's so easy when you don't know it. They own it a little bit more okay. on the sales side when they're part of the planning. And they can be your evangelist, because they're going to say, Hey, this is important. This is why we're doing this and can answer some of the questions that normally would be sent back to you as flack that you have to get through to get a campaign off the ground. Instead, you're that's exactly what I was going to say is that enhanced. By them. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't include them, you, they're going to come back. They're going to push back. Well, what about this? What about that? And now all of a sudden you're getting frustrated and now you've, you know, not been efficient or effective with your time because things do have to get changed. I agree with you hundred percent on that as well. And it's a delegation thing. If I'm a sales leader and I'm coaching with my reps, but I'm not making 25 or 30 calls a day. Well, guess who I want to be part of that conversation about what to say. One of my top salespeople, not me, just because I'm the manager. There's no value yeah, there. But I think what you described there is where that friction still exists. Yes. It's like, we're aligned. We're in each other's meetings and we have the same dashboard and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, who gives a shit? You're not planning together. You're not mm -hmm. collaborating as you develop go-to-market motion together, which a CRO is supposed to just have that happen. But mm -hmm. if the people on the ground aren't doing the collaboration, it doesn't matter if you have a CF CRO or not. Just having mm -hmm. them there isn't going to do it. I agree. I agree. So what else are we going to cover today? I could ask you another question, but I was going to ask you, what are the pieces of marketing that still salespeople get frustrated by that we can maybe give some insights to? Because we have a sales and marketing split audience. You know, I talk about this painting a picture of pain, right? If you think about a headache commercial, right? You think about your own, you're watching TV and you hear a headache commercial, right? Or you see a headache commercial. You don't really... You might think about the bottle, but if I tell you to think about the picture, what's the picture you see? That's what I want to see in the case studies, right? Did you ever notice there's not a lot of Tylenol and Advil commercials upon the radio for those who still listen to radio? Wonder why? Because there's no image. When was the last time you heard a Tylenol commercial on the radio or a NyQuil commercial? Think about the NyQuil, stippling, sneezing, coughing, stuffy, achy head so you could rest medicine. Like, there's no <laughs> greater picture of pain in my life than that. Yeah. So. So I would like that applied more often to the case studies 
that are written. And sometimes the case study gets, the, the value of the case study gets lost in the creativity of how pretty it looks uh, mm -hmm. versus the pain that's being solved. And this is the balance. This is that part where as a marketer, I wouldn't know. There's value on the case study that said Richard Harris Consulting saw a 58% increase. Okay. Well, that's part of it, but nobody's going to believe that they're like Richard because everybody's a unique, special butterfly made out of snow, right? And so where's the balance between that after piece and the Richard used to stay up every Sunday night, spending two hours trying to work on his forecast. You paint me that picture. That's my sniffling, sneezing, coughing, making stuffy heads fever so I could rest medicine. That's the picture I want to see. That's what makes me want to read more in a case study. So understanding that, and then as you build that into training materials and use cases, because sometimes you don't necessarily have a case study that you can talk about publicly. That's what I want to see more of and better stuff. So I went through that just as last week. I gave the bulleted version of the pains and the outcomes and how products aligned and it looked very pretty on a slide. And he kept saying, but that doesn't actually describe how we benefit them. And so I said, okay, well you screen share and write it. And he wrote a four sentence paragraph that described our version of the stiffly sneezy up all night, groggy in the right. morning because you could rest and then said with uh, you know, the chronological solution, you're able to, uh, orchestrate the, you know, mechanical motions, manual motions done by the sales team, da, 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 da. And I felt like I was watching a commercial and I felt it instead of reading it. And I didn't realize that I wasn't doing, that. I was relying on the reader to apply it to themselves, mm -hmm. but they probably weren't going to apply it to themselves the way it was written by our CRO. I'm really glad to hear that because that's the challenge, right? We can describe things with words so much more easily, right? It's, it's why so often the, the movie is not as good as the book, right? In many, many cases. And I love what you did is that you took this and you broke it into two slides, which is that one part that I think both sales and marketing need to realize is that there can be one more, more than one aha moment in the moment. And part of it can be, particularly if you're in front of different groups, like if you're in front of different people, people interpret certain things a certain way, right? So one slide might resonate with one person on the team. Another one might resonate with someone else. So if you've got, you know, marketing in there and a sales leader in there, a C-level executive in there, they're all going to interpret those two slides differently. But the fact that they're now two slides instead of one allows for that authenticity to come through. Yeah. And it's the first time that I actually took the metrics out of that part of the case study mm -hmm. where normally it's from the marketing side. Well, if I don't have metrics, I can't do a case study. How can I do a case study without metrics? Mm -hmm. But, and I thought that up until two days ago. <laughs> What's funny when I did that. that because it was cleaner to read and cleaner to see. And once you put the metrics there, it kind of got into, uh, uh, well, that's not me all of a sudden again. Right. And now you're trying to sell to me again and it lost the emotion. And yep. so the metrics were on a Every, completely separate part of the deck. People don't buy words. They buy pictures of pain. They buy the emotion tied to that picture. You took what the CRO said. You still had the words, but you allowed a picture to be drawn either yourself and or in 
your prospects or customer's mind so that now they can visualize it because people buy the picture, right? They don't buy, they don't buy the words, you know, it's kind of like taking my family to Africa and it's like, okay, well, we're going to go on safari. Well, I'm not just clicking on the blue links on Google to pick which safari. I'm going to go look at the pictures. I'm going to go to a yeah. restaurant. I'm going to go look at the pictures. So it's all the same approach in my mind. And I feel like when we can get sales and marketing closer to those two things and understanding that and finding the common ground there, then it's a little bit easier for everybody. Yeah, it's, that's a very good point. And sometimes when you're a sales rep having all those conversations, it's very easy to paint that picture because you've heard it on the phone mm -hmm. multiple times every week where from the marketing side, unless you're listening to those call recordings, which you should, you're not going to be able to articulate that as easily or yep. in as an emotional way as someone who is literally hearing the raw emotion of someone explain their pain on a, yep. on a discovery call or a deep dive call or something like that. Totally agree. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, this cool. has been an awesome time. Some great feedback. I think there's lots of takeaways that both the marketing and sales listeners can provide on how maybe you can humbly make fun of yourself a little bit saying, yep, that was me, where you need to just basically collaborate together from the beginning, understand each other's pressures and understand each other's scenarios on how much under the gun you are to hit a vanity metric on the marketing side or how much under the gun you are to literally save your job. Right. And they didn't follow up on those leads because they're closing deals to save their job. So figure out a different way to help them or a better channel and avenue to help them. It's, it's a nice alignment piece and it's, it's different. You know, most podcasts I go on are, are much more focused on sales and sales only and those kind of things. So I'm appreciative of coming on somewhere. I have to think a little bit differently and articulate some better ways to align, which I think in my head are innate, but maybe I don't talk about them enough because it's just, I typically don't swim in real sales and marketing. Fantastic. Thanks for the cool. extra insights. Thanks for coming on and sharing your perspective and, and helping us through all of that. If you want to learn more about different topics of making fun of marketing, go ahead and check out our podcast homepage at uh, chronologic.com forward slash podcast, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you again, Richard. Appreciate all the time. I appreciate it. Really, really a lot of fun. It was good to catch up with you. Likewise, likewise. Have a good one. Hopefully this was a bright spot in your day. You can go ahead and listen to more episodes at chronologic.com forward slash podcast and give us a five-star review and subscribe if you just want to hear more and get a bet. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.